The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, one of the realities of the biblical God is that He can take bad things and turn something good out of it. And we're going to read in Acts chapter 8 in verse 4 how the Christians were scattered abroad. The persecution against the church and against the gospel, that's a bad thing, right? But God used it to spread the gospel because it says these converts went everywhere. They were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, Samaria, except the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. But they that were scattered abroad, verse 4, went everywhere preaching the Word. Well, we welcome you to today's edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarlane along with Bert Harper. And Bert, uh, Acts chapter 8 is a, is a very pivotal chapter because even in spite of the, the adversity and the persecution, the gospel was not hindered because the Christians went everywhere spreading it. Yeah. it in a way, it's like you said, it is a great chapter. It's transitional. In place of yes. just Jerusalem and everything centered around Jerusalem, it's going, and it first goes to Samaria. And do you remember what Acts one eight first uh, Acts one eight said? Uh, but you shall receive power after this. You'd go to where Jerusalem, Judea, Judea Samaria, Samaria, and guess what? We're making it there today. Uh, they Amen. made it there in chapter eight. So as I. If, just remember, Acts one eight in a way is an outline of the book of Acts, of mm. of the locations of how they moved and where the gospel would go. But notice verse three; it says this because Saul uh, is introduced here, and them saying his name three different times. Luke is introducing Saul uh, to to the audience that he's writing to. Uh, they laid their, uh, you know, their coats at the feet of Saul, and then in chapter eight, verse one, Paul Saul was consenting to Philip uh, Stephen's death, and now in verse three, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church. You mentioned that the other day, uh, yesterday, entering every house, dragging off men, women, committing them to prison. He made havoc. That's an unusual word. Uh, yes, it, it, it is. really had the idea of, I mean, turmoil, persecution. I mean, uh, rampage is, I, I was looking at the different uh, words that you could, you know, put havoc with, and one of them was rampage. And so that's it. Therefore, aren't you glad the therefore is there, though? Yes, yes. <laughs> they were scattered everywhere preaching the word. Alex, aren't you glad the word does not return void, but it goes forth to accomplish everything that God said it would? That's right. That's in Isaiah 55, way back in the Old Testament, that the word of God does not return void. And, you know, we quote it, I quote it so many times, but it's one of my favorite verses is uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And just like these disciples their witness counted for the gospel, and the seeds you sow, it will bear fruit, because we've got that promise from the Lord. Philip goes down to the city of Samaria and preaches Christ unto them, and the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. Now, you know, I read Acts 8, 6, and it says, with one accord, the people 
listened and acknowledged and acted upon what he preached. Bert, I've, I've had some times that there was a really strong altar call, uh, and then I've had times when there was no altar call hardly. But I don't know that I've ever had 100% of the audience respond <laughs> to the message. Have you? Well, they responded, but some of them didn't respond positively. Let me just say, I'm playing on your words, Alex, but, yes. but you're right. But I, I tell folks, you're going to make a decision today, no matter what, yay or nay, yeah. uh, or complacent and do nothing. But you are right. This is amazing. Let me make this comment. We've left the deacon, Stephen, who became a preacher, and now we go to Philip the deacon. And and I, they didn't call them deacons, but they seem like the forerunners of deacons, Alex, when you look yeah. at it. So I'm calling them that. And uh, don't call in and say they weren't called deacons. I know that, but it looks like they were uh, the prerequisite or the, pre, the pre-looking at them. But here's Philip not just becoming a person in the church, local church, but he becomes one that's ministering throughout, even an evangelist. So yes. God, now I wanted to say that because while God is using you, many times he's using you to prepare you for something else that he's going to use you again in. That Amen. was true with Stephen and Philip, wasn't it? Well, it was. And later on in chapter 8, of course, there's going to be one of the most famous soul-winning uh, vignettes in the New Testament. But chapter 8 is is really beautiful. Verse 8 of chapter 8, you know, after Philip's message, and many are delivered uh, from unclean spirits, uh, verse 7, uh, and people are healed. See, you know what's interesting is there's... there's uh, demonic activity and people are delivered from demons. There's physical infirmity and people are delivered. Many were taken with palsies uh, or a type of paralysis. That's really what that word means. Uh, some were lame and were healed. But look at verse eight. There was great joy in that city. Amen. Um, let, let me just say this. In verse six, it says the people with one accord gave heed to the things that Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. Understand that spiritual salvation, to be born again, to put your faith in Jesus, that is the greatest miracle of all. Now, there may come other miracles, miracles of healing, miracles of physical blessing, but understand the greatest miracle of all is the miracle of salvation. And that's the the important thing. Um, I believe the Lord can still do the healings, the signs, the wonders, God can do anything that he's ever done, but in uh, understanding the power of the Lord, you don't want to be sensationalistic, seeking after the sensational, because the greatest miracle miracle of all, and that's really first before these other miracles, the, the greatest miracle is the miracle of the salvation of a lost soul, isn't it, Bert? It is, and again... Uh, there's a song about that. It took a miracle, you know, to put the stars in space and everything. But the greatest miracle of all was when he saved my soul. Uh, yes. That was a miracle of grace. And made it, me it was. It really was. But there was a certain man called Simon, a different one than Simon Peter, who right, previously right. practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom... They all gave heed from the least to the greatest. Now, I, I know there's some more to read, but i got to make this comparison. People like Simon, and I would say much like the high priest, 
the Sanhedrin that was there in Jerusalem. Now, this is a different city. There's those that are in power or have power, have credentials, have the people looking to them. Alex, they don't give that up very much. They want to keep it. You remember Scripture, it says about a rich man, uh, it's hard for them to humble themselves and and to make it into heaven. It's just because they think they can do it on their own. This is so true with power. Those people in power, and he is one of them. Now, his power is based upon sorcery, and I would say even demonic activity is is probably the case. Sorcery is associated with that. But here's what it said from the least of the greatest saying, this man is the great power of God, and they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. Okay, let's talk about that. And when he was Mm. baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now, again, the word believe, don't think it's less than, baptized, less than. But I mean, Alex, we're going to read the rest of the story. And we find out this guy, was he faking it? Was he uh, he fooled? Or did he really believe and then was caught by his own pride? We'll, I don't know. I think that's one of those things we'll find out in heaven. Um, but notice verse 14, then I want to turn it back to you. Now, when the apostles who were of Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he, the Spirit, had not fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, Alex, so much is going here, but I want to stick with Simon for a moment and then come back to the laying on of hands. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, He offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you, for I see that you poison, you are poisoned by bitterness and bound in iniquity. And you wow. can go ahead Powerful. and see that. Yeah. So here's Simon. He's he's a he's quite a puzzle to me. What do you think? Well, yeah. And by the way, I've heard you say this before over the years, and I agree that the book of Acts is a time of transition. And, you know, now we know that the Holy Spirit indwells somebody at the moment of salvation. But, you know, this is is a time the church is being birthed, and um, a lot of what we read in in the book of Acts is is unique to that time. The ministry of the Holy Spirit amongst the apostles and amongst the new believers, you know, it's a little bit different than it is right now. But, you know, very famously, um, uh, P.T. Barnum had wanted to book Spurgeon, and he said, I'll make you a rich man, come to America, and and I'll we'll fill up auditoriums around America. And Spurgeon wrote back to P.T. Barnum, the circus man, and, and just simply wrote Acts 8.20, which, you know, says, Thy money perish with thee. 
But um, regarding, let's let's look at the word there in verse thirteen. Believed. You know, the question is: Was he saved? Or was he not saved? And and like you said, we, we don't really know. I will say this. That um, in verse 24, when Simon the sorcerer answered and said, Well, pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me. Uh, do we see any remorse or repentance there? And could it be that his his desire, you know, hey, let me give you money and you give me the Holy Spirit. I hope that was more of ignorance than iniquity, you know? I hope so, but I if I had to come down on one side or the other, because we are not all-knowing. God knows. Even when we read the Scriptures, we we have some limited here. It sounds like he was amazed by the miracles. Sorcery was part of his thing, and he He said, I can use this. I think that sure comes across to me now. Again, I I don't want to make – I can't make the final judgment. I I can't look at his heart, but it seems like that's the case, Alex. Yeah, I know. And let me say this. Um, when you come to the Lord, you, you don't come to the Lord for power or money or popularity. Certainly nowadays you don't you don't come to the Lord for popularity because um, the, the tide of cultural opinion certainly is against Yeah, we hadn't been woke, man. World. If you hadn't been woke, you're out of it, aren't you? I, I know. <laughs> but, you know, it says this, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Uh, We want to make sure we're standing for truth like the true apostles and disciples were back then. Amen. We're going to come back with more of Acts chapter 8. You don't want to go away. There's some more exciting things going to happen. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Mary G. Ryan, Administrator for the U.S. Alcohol, Tobacco, and Trade Bureau. The TTB regulates and collects taxes on trade and imports of alcohol, tobacco, and firearms in the United States. Romans 13.7 reminds us of the importance of paying the taxes we owe. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Mary G. Ryan in her daily task. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Ephesians 2.10 calls us God's handiwork, His masterpiece. But Dr. Tony Evans says too many people, including Christians, spend their lives feeling more like trash than treasure. He'll set us straight today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Satan wants you to lose sight of your uniqueness. He either wants to take you too high so you think more of yourself than you ought to think or take you too low so that you do not think as God wants you to think, but he wants you not to have God's view of you. You know, so many people today live their lives wishing they were somebody else. That's why so many men walk around with jerseys with other folks' numbers on them. God says you are a masterpiece. You have divine design and that you don't have to spend your time wanting to be somebody else. You should take that time and find out who you're supposed to be. 
Let me tell you about Billy Taylor. Billy Taylor goes to junkyards and he finds stuff that other folk have thrown away. Billy Taylor brings it back to his garage, turns it into a contemporary art piece and then sells it for $5,000. He goes and finds junk that is worthless in everybody else's eyes. But when Billy Taylor looks at it, he sees something different. He sees a masterpiece in the making. Well, you may have been worthless before you met Jesus, but once you met Jesus Christ, even if you were in the junkyard, he's able to go in that yard and turn it into a valuable masterpiece. That is who you are. If you haven't yet become a child of God through faith in Christ, visit TonyEvans.org and click on the link at the top that says Jesus. Dr. Evans will walk you through everything you need to know. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go. In Acts chapter 8, it starts out with the difficulty, but how did they respond? Preaching the word in verse 4. When they get through it, Simon, and they're headed back after Samaria, and they're headed back to Jerusalem, what do they do? Verse 25, they preach the word of the Lord, return to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Now, Alex, isn't that awesome in verse 25, how preaching the word and preaching the gospel are intertwined, they're knit together, and in many of the villages of the Samaritans, uh, as they made their way, uh, they were not going to be derelict in their duty to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so Amen. it starts out preaching the word as they were scattered and now as they go back, now here's the key. When they left Jerusalem, they preached the word. When they were headed back to Jerusalem, they were preaching the word. I think that means we're to preach the word coming and going. How about that? Coming and going. <laughs> well, you know, that if a church is going through a hard time, you know how you, you get through the hard times? Focus on the primary thing, the fundamental, the most important thing, and that is preaching the gospel. And uh, Samaria is north of Jerusalem. They go in the many villages of the Samaritans preaching the gospel. Now, uh, you mentioned Acts 1-8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. One of the things that's so, um, I think, beautiful about how the Lord works, uh, God is very strategic. And, you know, here is uh, an Ethiopian. And uh, there's the places that the apostles and the disciples go with the gospel, but then there's the people that get one to Christ who are going to go, and it, it just becomes, you know, to to borrow a phrase from the internet age, viral, the the viral gospel here. Uh, but the angel of the Lord tells Philip, arise and go south uh, to the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And by the way, you know, in the book of Acts, it says Philip the evangelist. You know, what a what a great title to, you know, you might not carry a lot of titles, this, this or that, but to be known as an evangelist, an evangelizer, isn't that a great title? And Philip has that title, and he meets a man, 
of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He's headed back, sitting in his chariot by the side of the road, reading Isaiah. Bert, have you ever preached through this or read this, and you just picture it in your mind? He's pulled the car over, and and he's reading God's Word. Amen. That's the power of the Word of God. Now, I've got to make something about Philip now. We first we found Philip over in earlier in this chapter, and he's there preaching. And what's happening, man? You talked about the altar call. People responded. People are being saved. Uh, people are uh, miracles. They're coming, and God takes him from the crowd that is responding to the group he could help and continue. Takes him away from that to go to the one. He left the ninety nine and went to the one. He leaves those people there and makes his way to the Ethiopian. Now, Alex, we know the rest of the story. This man does get saved, and I'm for, I'm going forward a little bit. We'll come back in just a second. But he goes forward, and he takes the gospel, after being saved, back to Ethiopia. And when mm-hmm. missionaries were coming and they were working their way through Africa, uh, the record does show that when they got to Ethiopia— they were a group of believers already there. Why? Oh, yes. This Ethiopian, he was faithful. He not he didn't just keep it to himself. He went and shared the good news. So here it is. Philip leaves a large group to go to one, but that one brings a large group in. You never Amen. do. Don't don't count yourself short when quote only one comes to Christ. Uh, we yes. were talking about the altar call. You may have 90 and you may have one, but it is possible that that one, or is the numbers and what is contributed, could be of greater value in, in quality and quantity than the 90 that came forward. You catch, mm. am I? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, have you ever heard Abe Hamilton? And, and by the way, folks, let me just put in a plug for AFR.net, as in American Family Radio, the, the website AFR.net. There is so much wonderful archive content, and it's added to every single day. Of course, th- this show, Exploring the Word, you can forward a link and share with somebody. But, all, you know, Sandy Rios and Today's Issues and Focal Point with Brian Fisher and Airing the Addisons and Cross-Examine with Frank Turek and so many others, but also the Hamilton Corner with Abe Hamilton. Uh, but Abe does a talk. We've had him do it in our events sometimes. Uh, Abe Hamilton does a talk about the history of the spread of the gospel, and he talks about uh, Christianity in places like Ethiopia and Carthage and North Africa. And, um, you know, in response to an objection, I've heard this sometimes, they'll say, well, Christianity is, quote-unquote, a white man's religion. And Abe has done some incredible history talking about how, you know, first of all, Christianity emerged among the Semitic peoples, the Jewish people, but spread to many Africans and Ethiopians and Syrians and people of color. Uh, but th- this is so precious right here. And let me just say this, and I'm going to comment on Acts 8.31. But um, Ephesians 4.11 and 12 says that God gives to the church pastors, teachers, and evangelists for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Different people have different callings and gifts, and one of the gifts is 
preaching the word. So Philip comes along, and here's the Ethiopian eunuch, a strategic man of authority, and he's reading Isaiah. Philip comes up and says, hey, do you you understand what you're reading? In verse 31, the, the Ethiopian man says, well, how could I except some man should guide me? And he desired that Philip would come up and sit down. Now, the word guide there, or or help me, or, you know, teach. Instruct. And since you've instruct. asked. Yeah. Yeah, in, instruct. And that's what a good preacher, minister of the gospel, he can present, explain, defend. Bert, and I feel like that's, that's our, our calling. Yeah. Now, obviously, we're saying to everybody listening, if you've never been born again, then call on Jesus today and be saved. And first and foremost, make sure that you know the Lord, that you have Jesus in your heart and life. But as a believer, always be growing in the Word, be learning more of God's Word that you can share. And and Philip, he knew that he could present, explain, or defend. And in this case, he's going to explain the gospel so this person understands and can respond. He does, and it's from Isaiah 53. I think this demonstrates so many things. The value that God places on one person, it demonstrates that. It also demonstrates the power of the gospel, that he had gone to Jerusalem, and he had purchased some way or somebody received it. In those days, I feel like he may have purchased a copy of the book of Isaiah, or at least part of it, and he's reading it, and and God sees that. Alex, I just want to tell you, I honestly believe this, that nobody is saved apart from Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life, the only way you can come into him. But if there's someone like this Ethiopian eunuch that's all by himself, out on the Gaza, nobody around, some way God is going to get the message of Christ to them. I don't know all the ways through it. With today, it may be through the internet. It could be through Twitter. It could be through the radio. It could be some way. But God's going to get the power of the gospel to them. As And this man was seeking. He came to Jerusalem to worship, to seek. He yes, went away yeah. empty, except what? He had a copy of the Word of God, and God responds to that. Seek me, and you will find me. I believe that. I think this is, I don't think this is just the exception. I believe this is a pattern because I've, I've seen it again and again in people's lives, how God intervenes to bring that one that is seeking into the kingdom. Amen. Well, and, you know, let me just say to to um, any Jewish listeners that we have or any people listening and you've got loved ones that uh, are Jewish, clearly, by the word of Philip, and Philip was an apostle, clearly Isaiah is about the Savior. Because this is Isaiah 53, a great messianic passage. We often on the program will say to understand the Bible, look for Jesus. So he says, you know, I don't understand this unless somebody would guide me or teach me. And he reads from Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. He was led like a a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb is dumb before his shearers, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. So in other words, Jesus was forcibly taken away and nailed to the cross. Who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch says, tell me, you know, is who is this speaking about? Is the prophet speaking of himself 
or of some other man. And then Bert, read verse 35. <laughs> then, oh, Philip, yeah. Philip knew exactly what to do. He did. Then, he was waiting for this moment, and he was ready. Then Philip opened his mouth and, beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, Alex, again, this is Jesus. You make much. He's the centerpiece of everything we say. If you're the, teaching, you're preaching. Yes. If you're testifying, it doesn't matter. Make Jesus the centerpiece of it all. I, the, first, it, that is, is powerful, true. isn't it? <laughs> it? Yes, and and Philip's commentary on Isaiah 53 is absolutely authoritative, and it says he began to preach Jesus. I mean, this is proof that the Isaiah 53 passage is about Jesus Christ. Amen. And as they went on their way, there came unto a certain wa- they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What, does hin- what hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Hallelujah. See, that is the, the eunuch's confession. Um, remember... Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter's great confession. Uh, well, here's the, the Ethiopian's great confession. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Let me ask you, folks, ha- have you made that your confession? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and are you willing to make him your Savior? Because you can do that today. You can know today that you have Jesus and are born again. And my heart is always stirred when I read this, Bert, because this is, Philip asked the question that really every good evangelist, you know, Acts 21, I believe it's 21.8, where Philip is called the evangelist. You know, there have been great evangelists. And Philip's words come to us today, and if he were here, friend, he would ask you, have you believed with your heart? Have you confessed Jesus and made him your Savior? People can do that even right this minute, can't they, Bert? They can. And if you need more help, there's a number you call, 888-NEED-HIM. It's more important than calling our number that we'll give in just a little bit to call in and ask questions. 888-NEED-HIM, and they will help you. They will answer your questions. They'll pray with you and, and help you to completely understand now, Alex, one more thing, and we hopefully I think we're going to get through a chapter 8 today and not going to chapter 9 because there's still some there. But notice what it says. It starts off with Simon, who, in my opinion, makes a false declaration of faith, and mm-hmm. it ends chapter 8 with this Ethiopian eunuch making a decision, a, a, a confession True. that Jesus is the, the real. He is the Son of God. We were talking about calling that number, make sure you examine yourself. Make sure you look into your heart. Did you just walk the aisle and shake a hand, signed a piece of paper, and was dunked in some water? Okay, I'm saved. No, it's a relationship with Christ Jesus as Lord of your life, as the Son of God. This Ethiopian unit came into that relationship, and and there's a difference in that and just getting religion getting some something off of your back, you know, so, or, or mm-hmm. making things better. Oh, if, if I join this church, maybe it'll help me. No, it is a relationship with Christ. I, I find that in Chapter 8 amazing. Here's the sorcery <laughs> staying, I think, where he was. And here is yeah. the Ethiopian eunuch changed forever. 
Well, yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, one that's uh, very, very, very likely a false convert, and then the Ethiopian eunuch who is authentic. He commanded the chariot to stand still. You know, sometimes you've got to stop your world to let Jesus come in, and it, it's worth it. And they go down, Philip and the eunuch, and Philip baptizes him. And again, it's not the baptism that saves. The baptism is a step of obedience, publicly declaring the faith that you have. But verse 37 makes it clear it's about believing, believing in your heart. And uh, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. <laughs> and uh, he, the Ethiopian eunuch, saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. You know, um, it's not about the preacher. I've been in a lot of places, Bert, and they'll say, well, you know, when the pastor, the beloved pastor retired, a whole bunch of people quit coming anymore. And I've never understood that. And my goodness, believe me, I've had my spiritual heroes. But, um, you know, when uh, I think about when Dr. Falwell passed away, um, Thomas Road Church continues on. Even though Philip is caught away, uh, the led away by the Spirit, really, the eunuch goes on his way rejoicing. It, it, he doesn't it, say, oh, well, my spiritual hero is gone. I'm not going to go to church anymore. But what did he do? Passing through, he preached in all the cities. Yes. So let me see. He had, Did he go to seminary in order to do that? Did he go to Bible no. college? No. He had come into relationship with Christ. The Holy yes. Spirit came upon him. You and I have everything we need in Christ Jesus at that point. That doesn't mean we don't prepare, but we tell people about Jesus, don't we? Hey, we need to take phone calls. That number, 888-589-8840. We want to hear from you as you can call us today here on Exploring the Word. Pastor Parker, recently in The Stand, you wrote an article, Three Chapters of God's Word Every Day. Why three chapters and why every day? Obviously, unsaved people desperately need Christ. But even believers who have not been taught the importance of spiritual disciplines that help them to become strong and spiritually nourished, this is one of those simple habits you need to establish because it it helps strengthen them spiritually, mentally, physically in every area. Look for God's Word three chapters a day when you visit afa.net slash the stand. Next time on Today's Issues, our guest will be Abraham Hamilton III of the Hamilton Corner. God has blessed us to serve Him, to love Him, and to love one another, and to contend for the faith that has been once and for all passed down to us, His saints, without being contentious. Don't miss the next Today's Issues, weekday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 Central on American Family Radio and on Facebook. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. At the climax of the account, when Jesus restored Peter's personal relationship with him and Peter's call to ministry, he saw John following them. Jesus had just predicted that Peter would give his life for the gospel when Peter said, what about John, Lord? Jesus responded, what does he have to do with your calling? You follow me. With those words, Jesus hit a consistent flaw of the human condition. We derive value and self-worth by comparing ourselves to other people. Your ups, your downs, your failures, your victories were never meant to be compared to other people. We have been called to serve an audience of one. The only approval you need is His. 
Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. 1 Peter 4 verse 13 says, Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Imagine opening your mailbox to the nastiest envelope. It's filthy, wet, it even smells bad. But you carefully cut through all that filth and nastiness to get the letter out because you know inside is a love letter from someone you love with all your heart. Well, in the same way, God sometimes will send his most loving messages wrapped in difficult, sorrowful, nasty trials. But God commands us in the middle of that horrible trial to embrace it with joy because every trial we face is filtered through his love and his mercy. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. You're listening to American Family Radio. Here's a thought from Scripture. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. looking forward to this weekend. I'm going to be in Arkansas, Boundless Grace Baptist Church, my friend Pastor Josh Ramsey there in Rogers, Arkansas. And uh, my schedule is on my own website, which is alexmcfarland.com. And Bert, I also want to say this. I was on the phone earlier today with The Cove, where I'm going to be at the end of June, doing the Book of Acts. And okay, last year, of course, last year was COVID. It was kind of tough, and they had to socially distance. Uh, we had about 100 people there last year, and the Cove, they've, you know, phased in more and more seating. Uh, I heard today that we have 231 people signed up for the Cove, 231 people. That's getting to be just about a full house. And so I, I know many, many of those attendees are exploring the word listeners, and I look forward to seeing you June 25 through 27. Angie and I will be there Randall Murphy will be there, and it's going to be a great time. But uh, I just appreciate everybody, all these invitations to come and preach and teach, uh, because it really, it's uh, a great honor. And I look forward to this weekend, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday evening, and Sunday morning at Boundless Grace Baptist there in Arkansas. But we're going to go to the phones now, and the number is 888 and we're going to take your Bible questions, and we love to do that, don't we, Bert? We really do. So we're going to straight to Tennessee and talk to Robert. Robert, welcome. Oh, well, oh, thank you, guys. Uh, God bless you both. Um, I've got a, uh, an idea that I had about the Ethiopian guy, and then I've got a question. And so the idea that I had about him is that, first of all, he's highly educated because he, he probably reads in his Ethiopian language, but here it is. He's reading the scroll, which is in 
uh, either Hebrew or I don't think it would be in Aramaic, but uh, it would definitely be in Hebrew. Um, but then the other question is that it's a scroll of Isaiah, so I would think that's that's a very very sacred object, of course. How is it that he would be able to come by it? That he would have a scroll to be able to read? Okay, good question, Robert. Uh, great observation and question. Now, again, being the treasure, being from Ethiopia, he had the money to purchase. And uh, that is, I don't mean to make anything slight of anything, but Alex, uh, he went up to Jerusalem, I think, to worship, but I think he went up for a purpose. And yes. uh, I think he went there determined to bring something back, and that was what he did. What do you think? Well, yeah, verse 27 is a key. Okay, here's this Ethiopian eunuch, a man of great authority under Candace, queen of, Ethio- of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all of her treasure. Now, I've, I've often wondered this. He went up to Jerusalem and to, to worship. Now, it's interesting, by the way, uh, I've got to throw this in there in verse 40. Philip was found at uh, Azotus. Now, that's the New Testament name of an Old Testament city called Ashdod. And Ashdod was a place where they worshipped Dagon, this fish god. And I don't know if you remember it, but at one time they put the Ark of the Covenant in the temple of Dagon, and Dagon was knocked over by the power of God. Here's the thing. There, there were false religions, and there was power, and it was known that the God of the Hebrews was the true God. So this Ethiopian eunuch, he comes to Jerusalem to worship, verse 27. Now maybe he's thinking, wow, you know, well, the the God of the Hebrews is above all other gods. Maybe I'm going to learn more about this God. Maybe this scroll of Isaiah was something Candace of Ethiopia had said, hey, while you're up in Jerusalem, buy me a copy of their scriptures. But at any rate, the caller is right. He was an intelligent man. He was educated. He had this, whether it was his own scroll or one that he had procured for Ethiopia. He's pulled over and he's riveted reading it. And maybe, maybe in his heart, he said, God, help me understand this. Because, you know, if you call on the name of the Lord, God, I want to know you. I believe God is going to send a missionary some way, somehow. Bert, what, what do you think? If- I agree. I think God intervenes in so many ways, and He, w- if if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's somebody out there, and they've responded to the light that they have received in creation and conscience, I God gets the clearer message to them. He really does, and yeah. here He uses. He uses fellow. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Buddy. Buddy, welcome. Buddy, are you there? Okay, we're going to have to move on. So I'm going to go to, we're going to go to Larry in North Carolina. Larry, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Um, I just have a quick question. I retired from Mall Fulton many years ago. I carried a gun. When I retired, I didn't ever carry one. I, I just didn't want to live in fear. And recently, I decided to, to to purchase one, but I had mixed emotions. I mean, what what does what does the Bible say uh, about Christians purchasing only a firearm 
uh, I oh. did get it, but I, I had a lot of reservations, a lot of, lot of struggle with it. Okay, Larry, thank you so much. I want to tell a story first, and then, Alex, I want you to take it away. Uh, you have referred and talked to a man called Percy Ray, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. he he was from here in northeast Mississippi. He had a camp called Camp Zion. Thousands mm-hmm. of people came every summer to be a part of Camp Zion all over the United States, and it's not what it was, but uh, just great. He started, he planted more Southern Baptist churches than any other person that's ever lived working for the uh, the the board here for home missions under that uh, umbrella of the Southern Baptist Convention. And he was preaching up, I hate to say it, in North Carolina and, and uh, Tennessee mountains uh, back early, early when it was kind of rough, not settled, and moonshining was a part of what he did. And yeah. he went up there and he started preaching. And I'm talking about a lot of the folks that drank the alcohol. They quit. They stopped. Moonshiners got mad and they sent word to him. If he didn't stop preaching and saying those things, that he was going to be killed. And they said, we're sending some people there and they're going to be listening. And the moment you say something about it, you are dead. So Percy Ray goes to the pulpit opens his Bible, then he reaches back and pulls a gun out and lays it behind it, and he said, I've heard that some people are going to kill me if I preach what I've been preaching, and he said, I want to tell you, he said, I'm going to declare the word of God, and it will stand, but I've got this gun up here, and he preached. Those those two guys that were sent there that night, they left. Now, that is a true story, Alex. Now, oh, go yeah. ahead and answer that. I just had to get that uh, story in. I love that story. Oh, wow. Well, let me tell you, you know, back in the 18, 1900s and, you know, in times past, I mean, there were some men in the ministry that were pretty tough critters, you know. And, but, see, God gives nations and individuals the right to self-defense. In Exodus 20, you know, when the Sixth Commandment says, Thou shalt not commit murder, and you have to really put your thinking cap on, folks. But killing and murder are not the same thing. Now, sadly, in a fallen world uh, with law enforcement, with soldiers, and with self-defense, there, there might be killing, uh, which is, is terrible. Uh, but murder is the unjust, wanton, reckless taking of a human life. But self-defense, as I read the Scriptures... Uh, self-defense and national defense are sanctioned by God, aren't they, Bert? They are, and so carrying that gun, I, again, Larry, uh, I w- there's those that do and those that don't. Those that do, um, they're there, and they're helpful. Let me hey. share another one real quickly. I, I won't take up yeah. too much time, but in Israel, you've been there, I've been there, and and I am telling you, when a group of Jewish children go out on a field trip, they're accompanied. When I was there, and I'm sure it hadn't changed, they were accompanied by men that and women that were carrying guns. Now, they, they had rifles, and they were ready to defend them. And because they were there and the possibility of them being attacked by, quote, the people that didn't want them there was a reality. And so they were protected. And... Uh, that's uh, I, I just see it as something that is important to do. Okay, thank you, Larry. We hope we gave enough information. May have given you more than you wanted, but uh, let's go, if we would, to Kathleen. 
in Texas. Welcome, Kathleen. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just have a real quick question. I've been reading in the Old Testament. Um, and, um, I'm on a yearly Bible reading program, and I read, just got finished with King David's story, but I'm confused about who actually wrote Second Samuel. Um, he died. I mean, he obviously couldn't write, and then Samuel died. So I'm just wondering who took over that writing after he um, after he died. Uh, I'm going to... Another story. Today's my day for telling stories, Alex, but it's very It's short. great, Bert. I remember Keep, I was at Blue Mountain College, and Dr. Travis had given a an assignment to, to the class, and one of the guys was making the report. And uh, after his through, Dr. Travis asked him the question, and the, and the student said, the Lord only knows, Dr. Travis. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I don't mean to make light of it, but some of the questions about who wrote part of the books or all of the books – the Lord knows, but I'm not sure we can say definitely. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, some have theorized, you know, Nathan, the prophet, might have. Um, and we, we just don't know. It's one of those things, but we do know the Jewish people were meticulous about the copying of their scriptures. You know, earlier the question about where would where would the Ethiopian eunuch have gotten a copy of Isaiah, um, they made copies. They would count the letters uh, forward and backward to make sure that the copy was uh, just like the original, um, you know, it's it's like the um, the the end Moses's death and and burial there at the end of the Pentateuch. Um, you know, who wrote the the last part of Second Samuel? Only God knows. We know ultimately the words were given by the Holy Spirit, but godly Jewish copyists, maybe it was Gad or Nathan. Uh, we we just I don't think we'll fully know till we get to heaven. I agree. Thank you so much, Kathleen. Let's go to Tennessee and talk to Donnie. Donnie, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, brothers. How y'all doing? Doing well today. I I just want to say I really appreciate y'all. I listen to you every day coming home from work and bless my heart. Thank you, Donnie. Bless you. You bless us by calling us, brother. I want you to know. And I I just want to... And I want to say how much I just appreciate AFR allowing us to do this and all the people who pray and support and make it possible for us to read and teach and study the Bible together live five days a week. Amen. Donnie, Donnie, go ahead. I have a friend. He's got a wayward daughter, and she accidentally burned herself, so she laid up the house for a while. And I don't know if she's saved or not. I'd say she's not, but... I just wanted some, maybe some easy-to-read reference book other than the Bible that might help her. Okay. Alex, uh, what and, is, uh, I know there's tracks. They're good, but a book, easy to um, read. You know, uh, I, I will, let me let me do this. If, if you can give Devin your contact info, I, I'm going to send you a couple of things. One is a little booklet, very easy to read. It's about a 20-page booklet called What Does God Say About My Relationship with Him? And it shares the gospel very simply, and we've given it out to probably 200,000 people plus. And then I'm going to include another book that I wrote on Proverbs, God's Book of Wisdom, and the gospel is in it. And it'll, it'll be my privilege to send you those two items if I can get your address from, maybe if you'll give Devin your address, but We'll pray for this young lady that she really will know the Lord. We really will. We're going to try to get a quick question in, and it's Stephen in Alabama. Stephen, don't have a lot of time, but go ahead with your question. 
okay. I'll try to make it quick. I have some uh, elderly friends. Uh, both their spouses have passed away, and they met up, and they didn't go to a, uh, a church ceremony or something like that. They just committed to each other as husband and wife. And I was wondering, what's your perspective on a biblical commitment for marriage? Okay, Stephen, thank you. It won't take us long because we need to say it. I still believe that you need to obey the law, uh, and that's yeah. united. I think it's good. I think it's an example. It is also for protection. But the days are coming when this the laws of our land are getting so distorted, even about marriage, Alex, that sometimes yeah. it's going to be a church. But I think it's more than two individuals just making up their mind. Would you speak yeah, to that? Um, you know, I've I've done a couple of funerals where it turns out it was more of what's called a common law marriage. There, there's natural law, there's there's federal law, and there's what you might call common law. And let let me just say this: um, we Christians are to be law-abiding citizens, Ro- uh, Romans thirteen one through seven. And another reason for it to um, you know, have something honorable in the eyes of God, legal in the eyes of man. But whenever there's a death or something, listen, in a common law marriage, there's no real protection for the spouse left behind or anything like that. So look, do do life God's way. Do, do it God's way, even though it, it requires commitment and uh, obedience. But Bert, God's way is always the right way. It is always the right way. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for, we got people online that we couldn't get to. Uh, call us we, back. We'll try tomorrow. We will try. We're doing as many as we can. And uh, thank you for listening to Exploring the Word, going through the book of Acts, and we'll continue tomorrow. Alex, looking forward to it. What about you? Absolutely, folks. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. Keep on reading in Acts chapter 8 and 9. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus.